0: Did you know that at a couple of different points in history, people claimed to make a new state? Had the federal government actually paid attention to it, the 50 United States that you know today could have actually been the 52 states, or the borders could be completely different. This week, you're going to learn about the states of Franklin and Scott, two places that claimed to be independent states for a short time, but ended up falling away to history. It's our Weird World. Our Weird Welcome to our weird world. I am your host, John Henson, and this week we're talking about the states of Franklin and Scott. Both at one point were part of Tennessee. Oddly enough, like what what is going on over there? Uh, these may not be the weirdest tales in the history of this show, but it is fascinating nonetheless. It's story time. In 1782, Revolutionary War veteran Arthur Campbell began politicking for a new state, Frankland, to be created as the 14th state out of parts of Southwest Virginia, Western North Carolina, and Northern Georgia. When Patrick Henry passed a treason law that prevented anyone from creating a new state out of land belonging to Virginia, Campbell had to rethink his idea and quickly found help from local supporters. At the end of the Revolutionary War, North Carolina had decided to cede 29 million acres of land to the government to offset their debts, part of which was modern-day Ashe County. However, the federal government was reluctant to take over the land because it was mostly mountainous, and there was little they could do with it at the time. And that's just kind of how things went in the government in the early days. It was just like, hey, could you give us something? And then the states would be like, all right, here, take this crap that we don't actually want— And then the government was just like, oh, that's not really what we had in mind, but we weren't really specific about it, so now what do we do? (laughs) Um, So it was also, and that land was also inhabited by the Cherokees, who were getting a little sick of all the white man shenanigans, and they were making it difficult with the federal government to conduct business. After a few months, North Carolina realized that the federal government wasn't going to do anything with the land they had ceded, so they rescinded the offer and went back into governance. By then, people who had been living in the area had taken matters into their own hands. They referred to their area as the State of Franklin. They had erected a capital at Jonesboro, uh, which is, you know, in modern-day eastern Tennessee. Uh, they had also elected a governor, a speaker of the Senate, speaker of the house of representatives and other positions to actually participate in the federal government. They even drew up their own constitution, but when it was turned down in referendum, they just took North Carolina's constitution, wrote their name over the top of it and just started operating under that thinking that no one would really notice. In 1785, the leaders of Franklin petitioned Congress to grant them statehood, but only seven states voted in favor of it, which was two states fewer than the two-thirds majority that was needed. Despite the setback, state leaders went back to Franklin, moved the capital to Greenville, which is, you know, right down the road from Jonesboro, and wrote up a new constitution and even made peace treaties with the Cherokees. However, the people quickly changed their minds and started pledging allegiance back to North Carolina, who took that opportunity to go back in and forcibly reestablish the state government. After several battles with North Carolina militia, the state of Franklin dissolved in 1789 and swore allegiance back to North Carolina. However, North Carolina, who at this point treated its Western counties like a psychologically abusive girlfriend, just changed his mind and decided to ceded much of the land back over to the federal government. Those lands eventually became the Northeastern region of Tennessee and John Sevier, who had been the governor of Franklin was elected as Tennessee's first governor. So there you go. Um, Franklin kind of existed before, uh, you know, Tennessee actually became a place, but a lot of the, a lot of that land um, that was North Carolina's Ash County eventually ended up becoming part of Tennessee. And now here's the second one, um, the state of Scott. On June 4th, 1861, Senator Andrew Johnson gave a fiery speech on the steps of the courthouse in Huntsville, Tennessee that argued against secession. However, Tennessee seceded anyway, and four days later, Scott County, where Huntsville was located, voted against that secession 541 to 19, but the rest of Tennessee didn't care and, you know, just went on with, you know, seceding and joining the Civil War and all that. Later that year, the county court approved or voted to approve the county assembly's unanimous decision to secede from Tennessee and also to create the independent state of Scott And although most of the county's residents remained supportive of the union, the resolution passed because the residents were now part of their own new state. Scott immediately became an enclave community, which is a territory that is entirely surrounded by another territory. Think like Vatican City or San Marino out in Europe. Still, Tennessee didn't care. Like the rest of Tennessee didn't care what Scott and and the people of Scott County were even doing. Despite its strong stance um, on secession in the Civil War, the area was of little strategic importance during the war. Because Scott was mostly mountainous and travel through the area was difficult, the, the area rarely saw action during the entire, entire Civil War. Um, what few skirmishes did occur were often exceptionally violent and fought by people who weren't even participating in the actual war, but rather they were just involved sympathizers for a given side. Scott was was, for the most part, an afterthought in the Civil War. Both the Confederacy and the Union never recognized Scott's statehood and treated the land and the people like a scavenger's wasteland, taking whatever food and supplies they could from anyone in their way. When the war finally ended, things went back to normal, except everyone forgot a portion of Tennessee had actually seceded, and no one noticed this for over a hundred years. And finally in 1985, all right? This happened that like Scott seceded in 1861, so 124 years later, leaders in Scott County uh petitioned the state of Tennessee for readmission back into the state. And Tennessee, who thought Scott County had been a part of the state the entire time since the state of Scott was never actually a thing, they ceremoniously readmitted the county. Like there wasn't even any formal paperwork. It was just like, "Oh, you guys seceded? Sure you did. All right, come on back. It's cool. It's all good." And that's, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the end of the story. So that's it. Uh, A shorter episode today, which, you know, compared to some of these other episodes probably seems really short. Um, But yeah, the South was really, was kind of close to having a couple of extra states, both taking pieces of Tennessee with them. I I don't know why Tennessee seemed to have so many problems. It's a pretty nice state, at least the eastern half of it is. Everything west of Nashville seems a bit bleak. But uh, yeah, let's find out what we learned. What did we learn? Number one, no one seems to take Tennessee seriously as a state. Number two, simply calling yourself a state doesn't actually make you a state. So in case any of you conspiratorial or hillbillies out in Montana are listening, which you're probably not, uh, you can't just say you've seceded and just assume that's all you need to do. There's, a, there's an actual process involved in that. And number three, it's probably a good thing that Franklin never became a state. If you think West Virginia and Mississippi are impoverished, Franklin would make those places look miraculous. I've been through a lot of what would have been the state of Franklin, and it's a lot of mountainous, uninhabitable country. Next week on Our Weird World, I'm going to make up for this short episode by giving you a longer episode. It is the story of H.H. Holmes, one of America's first serial killers and one who really set the early standard for how awful a serial killer can be. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends and keep it weird.